Welcome to the Cross-Border Interview Podcast, a podcast about getting out from behind the keyboard and just talking. Each week, we invite a guest or two to sit down and talk about their life and their work. I'm Christopher Brown, your host, and this is the Cross-Border Interview Podcast featuring Canadian singer-songwriter Greg Ryder. I ask every single person I interview the same opening question, and I'll ask you this. Where did your sense of music come from? My sense of music. So, man, that's a that's a question that I've, you know, even been discovering for so many years, kind of where my music is going. You know, I, I grew up listening to many different genres. I was a huge Michael Jackson fan, Temptations. I love like the soul music. And then I started getting into country music probably when I was about 15 years old. And I, I just love the storytelling. Um, to be honest, though, like I never really had the, the confidence to like kind of be able to I've always wanted to be able to tell my story through a song. But um, my sense of music has just kind of came from, yeah, just kind of you know, listening to country over the years and seeing how they take a song from, you know, one just I love how they describe a story with the lyrics and stuff like that. And I was like, I just want to be able to be able to talk my story into a song. So, um, yeah, I just try and be as honest as possible with my music. And, you know, I, I've, I've lived some pretty interesting stories in my life, my travels and that kind of stuff that I feel like I'm just trying to talk from that point and turn as many of these stories into songs. Well, and I find your story interesting because you you took an unconventional path to Nashville. You did not just start in, uh, just go right to Nashville. You started in Toronto, you moved to Montreal, then you went to Mexico, and then you got to to, uh, Nashville. So how did that, how did that travel all come about? So when did you move to Montreal and then say, okay, now let's go down to Mexico because that's the (laughs) reasonable option to go for country music. Right. So yeah, honestly, yeah, like I my path was going much different when I was in college. I was actually I went to school for sports broadcasting and uh, television broadcasting was kind of like I was just very, you know, I was always just trying to be in the spotlight and I always loved being a class clown and stuff and I knew that I was meant for some kind of career, you know, with lights down on me. I just didn't know what it was and at that point, you know, broadcasting was the only thing that kind of made sense to me. So I started going down that path and, you know, once I got out of school, I I started doing an internship in Toronto and I just wasn't, um, it just wasn't fulfilling me like I thought it would. Um, It just didn't grab a hold of me. And, you know, I would talk to a bunch of my, my, my peers and, you know, they all had these dreams of like, they wanted to, you know, be on this radio station. And, and I'm like, I don't know, like, I don't know if that's me. I don't know if that's where I see myself going. So. Um, you know, when I was in that, when I was in that internship, I actually, on the way home, um, I was actually in like a, in a, in a car accident on the, on the 403. And it was kind of like, I crashed into the back of a car. I hit this car about 60 kilometers an hour, slid into the back of this car. My car was a complete write off. And it was just a, it was a complete, you know, turning point in my life where, you know, I didn't get injured. I didn't get injured or anything. I walked away unharmed, wow. but it was just like a thought in my head. I just said to myself, you know, if I died right there or if something really serious happened to me, you know, would I be happy with how my life turned out? Would I be happy with how, you know, it all went? And honestly, like I knew that there were so many things that I was too afraid to do and scared to do 
that um, I felt this was like a reborn. I felt like this was my time to really go after the things that I truly wanted, take these massive risks. And you know what? I don't know what I'm going to do with my life, but I feel like if I put myself out there and I continue just to like, you know, claw along, then something's finally going to discover. I'm finally going to discover myself. And moving to Montreal was my chance to get out on my own. It was my chance to move to a new city, become independent, and really, you know, get from under my parents' roof and kind of say, this is my chance to be me. Like, you know, if I need to pay rent this month, I'm not going to call my mom and say, hey, mom, I, I need 500 bucks. Like, I'm going to scrape and I'm going to try and find a way to do this on my own. And yeah, kind of went through that. I started playing busking on street corners. I started trying to make any money possible and um, really started to develop my love for music. And, you know, just being, um, I did my first open mic and it was my first time I got to play in front of people. And I, I was so horrible. Like, I probably forgot every lyric, but I remember getting off that stage and I just remember looking back at the stage and going no that's what I want to do like that just feeling of just the eyes on you and playing music was so cool and then yeah it moved to the Cayman Islands actually it wasn't Mexico it's Cayman Islands I apologize yes and uh, I went and I went to Cayman Islands just because Again, nothing was nothing was happening. I actually moved back from Montreal back to my hometown. I stayed I stayed back in like Waterdown, Hamilton area for about a year and a half. And man, every single this was like a point in your life where 25 is a very hard time. It's when you either have to like grow up and get a real man get a real job or you just say, "Screw it. I'm going again. I'm I'm leaving again." And <laughs> I put resumes out everywhere, cruise ships, like many different places. And the only place that came back and was really interested was the Cayman Islands as a bartend job. So that was my only opportunity to get out. And uh, I took that opportunity and I, I ran with it and I bartended at Margaritaville uh, in, uh, wow. in the Cayman Islands for three months. It was the worst job ever. <laughs> like it was a brand new resort. So like there were so many hiccups so I always say to people, if that job wasn't that bad, I probably would not have moved to Nashville. Like I worked at a resort that had like, I was making money and I was living the dream. I might not have moved to Nashville, but then because the job was so horrible, I started looking elsewhere. Okay, where else can I do? And that's when I met this girl that actually said to me, what are you doing in the Cayman Islands playing music? Like you need to be at a big city. And I said, where? And she's like, you need to be in Nashville or LA. So I said, okay, I'll go for 10 days. I'll go for 10 days to Nashville and I'll see if I like it. And then if I like it, I'll come back to the Cayman Islands, get a new job, save some money. But that 10 days ended up turning up into two years. <sighs> so, and and that's, it's sort of a like odd journey for someone like yourself to do this because for someone, like you said, who's 25, who has to make that decision, you go down to the Cayman Islands, you're there for a few months you're not the doing the best down there because like you said there's so many hiccups then someone says hey you should go to nashville or la it, it, at any time during that when you're discussing that is it going okay you know what maybe i should just go back to hamilton i i tried this but uh, it's not for me i'm gonna go back or was it you know what i'm here already let's just go to nashville if honestly if i never lived in in the cayman islands and i went from hamilton to nashville I would have had so many people talking me out of it, 
But because I was in the Cayman Islands and I had nobody, everyone believed in me down there. So everyone was pushing me. Everyone was like, go, Greg, do it, man. This is your shot. Go for it. So I take that as like a massive like stepping stone where I needed that that three months in the Cayman Islands to push me to move to Nashville because I know that like even now being home for a year, I've been home for a year and year and a bit now and I go, oh, I want to head back down to Nashville. I get everyone's fears projected on me. Greg, what are you going to what are you going to do down there again? Like you just you you just moved home a year and a half. You said you're tired of playing the bar six nights a week. So what are you going to do now? And like I feel everyone's fears and projections like getting down on me. And I didn't have that in the Cayman Islands. So when you, you get to Nashville, you you like you said, you start performing six days a week because you get a residency residency at two major bars and mm-hmm. your your story just takes off from there. So was it easy just to break in because you hear so many stories of people moving to Nashville, whether it be from the Cayman Islands, whether it be from Hamilton or even somewhere in the States and they get there and it does not happen. So what was it about you that made your drive so passionate to make sure you had those 10 days, you were going to make those 10 days count and you were going to get something? Yeah. So those 10 days were just all I was, all I was planning on doing was just going down and drinking and exp- experience Nashville for what it's worth. I had no plans of ever living there or honestly like I I wrote it in my in my goals book probably 5 years ago moved to Nashville, but every single time I wrote that goal down and I reread it, I'd laugh. I'd be like, yeah, right, I'm never going to live in Nashville. So when I went for 10 days, I remember I did every single tourist trap possible for the first 3 days and then uh, I did all those things and you know, I I just yeah, I just did everything like that. And then on my fourth day was when I, I just decided, okay, I need to go off on my own and I need to do what I do best. Like I'm good at when I just put my feet on the concrete and just go and meet people. And I found myself at this little bar on Second Avenue. It was called Brugada. It was this uh, it was this um, this hookah bar uh, at night. And it was this, just this kind of like this cool little swanky place. And I remember seeing on this little A-frame board in front of the door, it was like two-for-one beers. So, and I remember hearing this amazing voice come from the speakers. They had a speaker on top of the door, and it was pointed out to the street. And I remember I'm walking down the street, just kind of like, I'm in Nashville, this is awesome. And I hear this voice, and I was like, yo, she is good. So I walked in, I just sat at the bar, and I watched her, and... uh, I was just blown away by this girl's voice. So I started having a couple of drinks. I talked to her after. I was like, you are so amazing. She's like, thank you. And she ended up being like 16 years old, wow. living down in Nashville. And I decided to stay after. And I kept I kept talking to the bartender. And um, her name was Jen. And, and she's one of my best friends today. We still talk all the time. But she was the one that... Um, you know, we first started talking and she kind of told me about my life, asked me about my life story. What are you doing here? And I was like, oh, I'm actually just here for a week and a half, just exploring. And she's like, oh, cool. Like right on. And this song came on the radio. And I remember I was singing over top of the song as I sat at the bar and she's like, oh, you're a singer. And I was like, nah, no, nah. I'm like, I, I sing a little bit, but like, I don't really sing. And she's like, well, listen, like there's two people, my two good friends are coming to play next. They're so chill. They're so nice. Like if you're down, you should go up and play a song, do your first Nashville song. And I was like, 
yeah, no, I'm good. Like, I've had a couple beers today. Like, I'm pretty, I'm just going to chill today. And so the friends come in and they're sitting up there. They're having a couple of drinks. They're playing. Um, and she, she yells out. She goes, hey, Trey. She's like, this guy's new in town. Give him a song. And I was like, yo, Jen, like, I'm good. Like, it's all good. And so she just, she goes, just go, just play a song. So I get up there and I play a song and uh, I played not even a country song. Like I, it was, it was No Diggity by Blackstreet. Like I just okay. went like, I was like, show to get down, <laughs> good Lord. And I just started playing the song acoustically. And Jen like goes, yo, you're actually really good. She's like, why don't you like, why don't you live here? Like, why don't you do music here? She's like, I can probably give you a gig on Sunday nights. Like, I'll give you like a, an hour show. Uh, no, I'll give you a three-hour show. I can pay you a hundred bucks, and it'll be from six to nine on Sundays. And I was like, ah, I don't know. Like, I'm still wasn't confident. I wasn't confident in myself. I wasn't confident in my guitar skills. I really never played much any gigs solo by myself. Like, I'm so green. Like, you don't understand like how green I was. And honestly, I like the four. I was I walked home from the the bar that day, and I woke up in the hotel the next morning, and I said, "Man, what just happened? Like, did I just book a gig in Nashville? Like, it's not a lot of money, but the good thing is, is I saved a lot of money from the Cayman Islands because the exchange rate from the Cayman Islands was awesome. So I saved about twenty five hundred dollars Caymanian, which went to about four thousand dollars American wow. or whatever." So I'm like, okay, I'm sitting on a good chunk of money here. If I can book a gig in ten day, in four days, what can I do in three months? If I just, you know, get better and I learn, and like I'm in the city where, like, I can learn so much about music. So yeah, I just I canceled my trip back to the Cayman Islands on the on the fifth day and went back to uh, Brugada, talked to Jen, told her that I live here now. She actually, I stayed in the hostel for about two weeks. Jen would just take me around town. She'd take me around. She in, she introduced me to every single person she knew. She's always like, this guy's going to be big. Like, you want to play in your bar? Like, my my biggest hype girl ever. And then uh, after about two and a half weeks of staying in the hostel, you know, I, I, I was starting to spend a lot of money. My money was dwindling, and I was getting a little bit nervous. And uh, she let me stay on her, her couch for a month and a half. Wow. And um, she just really helped me in the beginning. So, um, wow. yeah crazy so you you were in nashville the heart of country music and you start getting gigs left right and center and you book on one of if not the biggest radio station in all of country music the grand old opry so yeah. how does it like that just is mind-boggling for someone who sort of by the sounds of it by the story is getting pushed into the direction of doing country music by your friends by going to the cayman islands by not having that family back to sort of hold you back so you getting booked on the grand old opera radio that is huge so what was that like as a up-and-coming artist to be on the grand old opera which has launched so many careers so funny story about that he the host of um, the Grand Ole Opry WSM radio station was at one of my shows and he was at a little acoustic gig at this little bar called Alley Taps and literally he was the only one in the audience like oh. it was a very slow day and I just see this guy looking at the bar and like he just was like was just sitting sideways just listening to my original music and then listening and then like talking to the bartender and then um, 
a couple people came in throughout the day and stuff. It was a, it was like a, it was an afternoon day, afternoon gig. And, uh, yeah, I just started talking with him after and he's like, yeah, I'm actually a host of like WSM. Like you should come by like that song, baby girl. Like, I love that song. Like you need to come and play that song. And I was like, Whoa, like, okay. He's like, you ever had your song played on the radio? And I was like, no, not at all. So like I went down there and it was just like, it was honestly just kind of funny. Like there were a lot of things, like you say that, like the music being pushed into something is, is very kind of true in a way because I never really thought I would uh, would be a singer. And things just started happening along the way that started almost just like opening myself up to music. It was like things would start happening and, um, you know, like little things like that, that just made me go, you know what, this is, you know, this is maybe what I'm born to do is just to be on stage playing music and speaking and stuff like that. So, yeah. Wow. So you, you, you do this, uh, uh, Grand Old Opry WSM radio station, you play baby girl on it. And now, uh, fast forward to 2020, you are releasing well you just released your first single off your debut album which is coming out next year uh and then in september you're coming out with your second uh song of this so i, I gotta ask how did this album come uh come to be and how did uh, old town sorry i want to make sure i got the name the correct name of the song here uh one town away uh, and your new single in september accident come about yeah, so these songs, um, to be honest, I have so many songs that I wrote in, in Nashville with a year and a half and just kind of my story. Um, and, and it's funny because Accident was written in Nashville. One Town Away was just written with a couple buddies here in town um, back in Hamilton, actually. But um, yeah, for these songs, it's just I'm I felt these are the perfect introduction songs. Like I've got some songs that I kind of have hidden away that are just songs that really dig deep into my story and kind of like some of my struggles and, and, and more raw. But for me right now, I just felt like a good introduction to say, Hey, this is Greg Ryder. Like, let's give him this, this small town feel. Let's give this one town away, you know, accident. It's going to take a bit more risks. It's, it's much more pop infused. It's much more kind of like, you know, I don't, I want to be able to, you know, cross borders. I really want to be able to fuse the genres. And I think that's, I don't, I know a lot of people are going to be like, is he country? Is he not country? But I would much rather just put out music that, that I just purely enjoy. And if, if people, I don't want people to put my music into a box and say, oh, he's, he's, his country music does not have a mandolin. It doesn't have a fiddle. You know, I just want to put out music that is real to me. And it's a story about from my life. So One Town Away felt like a story that, was just so present in my mind and I was singing it so much that, you know, it was it was about traveling around the world and, you know, realizing that I'm always, I was always kind of wondering where the girl would come from. And obviously I haven't found her yet, but, you know, I was dating this girl that I felt really strong about when I wrote One Town Away. And I started thinking to myself, can you imagine that I traveled all around the world and ended up finding this girl one town away? And I started singing that on the way home from her house one day and I just started singing it and I showed it to my buddy and he's like, man, this is catchy. And then we literally broke up and I almost didn't want to even release the song because I was like, this is stupid because like I'm singing a song about a girl that I'm not even with anymore. But I then thought about the audience. I then thought about kind of the people that 
man, so many people can relate to this song. If, if they found someone close to their hometown that I had to put it out. So um, that's where One Town Away came from. And Accident is actually a hilarious story that honestly, like we might have to talk about another time. Yeah. But no, it's 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 a it's a, it's a funny story about literally just meeting this girl in Montreal, going for a date, and then meeting her four years later in Nashville from a dating app. And then literally as we're sitting across from each other, she goes, you, I recognize you from somewhere. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, your eyes are familiar. Ends up turning out, I, I went on a date with her four years ago when I lived in Montreal, and now she's living down in Nashville. Wow. Serendipitous, if that's ever. Um, how? What is your writing style like? So you talk about how uh, all your uh, songs or your songs are about things that have happened to you, but does it come naturally? Because when I talk to artists, the the one thing that they always say is when they write, they have trouble trying to convey the message that they want to in a story that is going to a be good on the ears for the listeners and b get the message you want to get across across. Hmm. So for me, I'm, I'd have to say like, yeah, my creative spurts, yeah, they come in spurts. Like there are some times when like, I don't write, sometimes I feel like, you know, I'm not writing enough. Sometimes I, I, I don't write every single day and I really allow myself, you know, when I get this creative juice flowing and I know when I'm singing this melody over my head and, you know, I'm kind of like really piecing it together very slowly with voice memos. Some days I'll sit down my voice, my, my, my uh, text and just write some lyrics. I know that I'm on to something. Um, but yeah, it's just, I just feel sometimes it just comes at me at like random places, like comes to me when I'm driving down the highway and I'm just, I have so many different voice memos and, you know, I'm all about a title. I'm a huge title guy that if my title doesn't grab someone's attention or doesn't, I don't feel like it already has some mystery to it. It's almost like I don't even want to write it. Like I never want to release a song called last call or I never want to release a song, you know, that you already know what it's about. You can already describe, okay, I think this song is probably about that. I want people to look at my titles and go, okay, like, where where where's he going with this what does this mean and then that almost allows me to then open up the song and explain the song does the melody so, come first or the lyrics melody first for me melody first for you so when when you were uh, coming up with uh, one town away so the melody came first because the moment i turned on one town away i i, I, I was listening and uh eric reached out and said here's some people that you should talk to because they're great people i listened to that song it was one of the first songs i said i need to talk to this guy because the melody is so gripping when that first chord you can tell it's going to be one of those songs that's going to reach out and just like it's going to be a song that you're going to be able to hum along in the car on the radio even while you're doing dishes right so that cool. melody for you is is so powerful I, I give you props for coming up with it thank you yeah and and honestly for for that song um the melody for the chorus melody was actually for my buddy rich cloak um he's a writer and uh he was the one that you know i had i came to him with 
one, one town away. And then he came with the chorus. And then, the, and then literally just the verse melody was just like, I'm always trying to think of different melodies that, yeah, just like kind of kind of have the little bit of the R&B, the kind of quicker. I like the quicker notes and the quicker that kind of stuff. So, yeah, we we worked on that song, you know, very closely. And, uh, I yeah, the, the chorus melody really came powerful and we said okay like you know here we have this big lift we need to drop this down low to really give us the room to now really spike it in the chorus yeah so you are releasing uh, songs in the middle of a pandemic and uh, this is probably one of the worst times to be a musician to not be able to cross to a country and go on tour so how are you uh, producing this album and getting this album ready for release in 2021 because once it's out there you're going to have to try and connect with fans and make sure that fans hear it so how are you getting ready for that yeah so we have a, we have kind of our song set in place right now so we have Accident coming in September and then we have Royal which is you know in my opinion it's it's my best song in my catalog it's a song that is just the the realest message and something that I'm really excited to get out to the world. So we we're really kind of using one town away an accident to really kind of open the door for Royal. Um, you know, the radio team and my team surrounding me has a lot of confidence in that third song. So we are really kind of using these first three songs as singles to kind of introduce myself to the industry and the market. Um, and then once these songs come out, we're just going to kind of you know, trickle down, trickle down some more songs. So I haven't even recorded anything after Royal. So right now I'm still set to January, 2021. So I, we have a great marketing strategy up to um, January, 2021. But after that is when we still need to discover, you know, what songs are we gonna put on the rest of this album? Like, to be honest, albums nowadays kind of scare me because I don't know if it's the way of the world. I think it's more single oriented. In my eyes, I think putting an album up nowadays is smart, maybe 10 years ago, but you're also putting up music that I feel every single song needs its own space to breathe. And I feel like if you just throw up an album at someone and go, hey, here's my new album, some of these songs that you put all this time and all this money into may never actually be listened to because they're so deep on the album. And, and I, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was speaking to an artist a while back. This was about a year ago. And they said whenever they come up with an album, a brand new album, they, they, they create an album with all number one hits that they can think of, right? Like you were saying, that mm-hmm. that single could be 10 singles for an album. So when you're coming up with this album, it's harder to actually release an album in 2020 compared to 1990 right where you release an album everyone listens to the full album from start to finish where now with online streaming it's whatever's the top hit so i'll listen to that exactly so that's exactly the method like you you just have to come up with the most powerful songs you know that you have in your catalog and and if you don't feel like you don't have them then you know i'm going to take trips back down to nashville and do some writing and, and and keep on getting these songs I'm confident that I have some great songs ready to come out, but again, I always think we can improve on them. We can always write better. We can always write more powerful songs. And, you know, that's what I agree with. I think it's like releasing the singles and giving each song its space and then at the end going, hey, that's the album. 
That's awesome. So so the the first two uh, songs, uh, One in Town Away and Accident, are going to be released here this year. What about Baby Girl? Uh, I, I've listened to that a few thousand times already, and it's an amazing song. And I, I, I understand why you were on the Grand Old Opry now. So uh, I got to ask, is this potentially going to be on the album as well? To be honest, because that was a new, that was a different producer. It was much at a different time, but many people have told me, Greg, like, you need to re-record that song with more of a band and more like I did. Um, and I've thought about that, like even re-recording that song and, and putting a good push behind it, because when people hear that song, they're like, man, this song, that message is 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 a message that needs to be in country music. Like it touches on, you know, just anything from just like a, the way a man treats a, a woman and like, you know, just respect and sexual harassment and so many different things that are so um, prominent in today's day and age that people are like, this song needs to be bigger than it is. And, you know, like I always think about that, like maybe when I start building my fan base more and more and start growing, then maybe I'll reproduce baby girl and bring it back out because I definitely want that song to be a part of me. I feel like that's, what I want people to look, think of me as an artist, someone that can say things that other people cannot and aren't afraid to say. Because, you know, there's just lines in that song that not many male country singers would feel comfortable saying. So I just really want my music just to be be real and have a strong message and, yeah, say things that others can't say. So have you... How has the uh, change from busking on the streets of Montreal to releasing your debut album here in 2021 or releasing your singles in 2020, 2021. How, mm -hmm. how, how has Greg Ryder changed? Oh man, so much. Um, honestly, yeah, it's been just, the biggest thing has been just, I think it's just been becoming more humble and more kind and, you know, thinking about others. And I think it was all about me back in the day. It was all about, you know, I want to be a star and, you know, my ego kind of ran, ran through the door first. Um, because yeah, like I always, I always just wanted to be famous for some reason. I just wanted to be, and I had these outlandish dreams of who I wanted to be as an artist and, um, and who I wanted to be just as like an, an entertainer and just, you know, I had these crazy dreams of being, you know, what I wanted. And I realized after 25, you know, life was not working out that way. I knew that it was going to be a much slower climb to the top. And um, it wasn't going to be just this thing that this claim to fame, I was always trying to find that way to get discovered. How do I get discovered? How do I start living this outlandish life that I see on Instagram? How do I start living, you know, on the beaches of California, hanging out with pretty women and stuff like that? Like, I just realized it was going to be a much slower, slower climb than I thought. So I really feel that I just kind of have humbled myself and I've thought about others. And, you know, if I do get a platform, then what am I going to speak about? Am I going to use it to just be an, be an idiot and go and party and that kind of stuff? Or I'm going to use it to, you know, promote good, promote brands that, you know, like even the brands I'm wearing, like Full Circle, these guys, like is a mental health company that gives back to the Mental Health Foundation. And that's a huge passion of mine because the struggle to find myself, the person I was in Montreal was so lost. He was so insecure. He didn't have confidence in himself. Um, he struggled with self-doubt of like, 
you know, allowing people to control his life and tell him what he needed to be. And for me, it was just getting out of my own and having to discover that for myself. So, you know, I just feel that, you know, that's what I want to promote. And I want to help, I want to help kids and youth that like have no idea what they want to do with their lives and, you know, suffer from anxiety and depression and use drugs and alcohol to, you know, really help themselves. Cause I've had my dark days of, you know, my party days and stuff like that. But I just feel like I'm, I'm over the hill now I'm over the hill. I'm, I'm in a much happier place. And now I'm using all those histories and all those stories to now inspire through my music. And has father and son records allowed you to do that? Have they allowed you to, uh, uh, tell the stories that you want to tell and be open with the, what you want to be open with? Because sometimes when you hear, uh, artists, they say, okay, my record would love me to do this song and they won't let me do the song I really want to do. So have they allowed you to do the songs that you want to do? Definitely. And, you know, I think like, obviously some of the songs are much, you know, touchier and, and much, much stronger that I really feel that they're going to get there. I feel that like one town away was, you know, we're just starting our relationship as well, you know? So I really feel that, yeah, they, they allow me to have the creative control. And if they know that I'm really passionate about a song, they know that I, if I, if I have to sit with these songs and I have to hear them every day and I have to promote them, then it better mean something to me. Cause I don't, I don't want to put all this money and time behind a song that to be honest, it doesn't really drive me because, you know, you hear about these artists that this, this song blows up for them and, and that's how it defines them for their career. And to be honest, I just want the songs that define me songs that I truly believe in. So, um, definitely i feel them accepting royal was a song that is just a huge thing for me and they loved it that's the song that actually attracted them to me um i met the producer down in nashville when i was playing whiskey jam and he came up to me after and was like that song royal i need to record that i need to produce that and i said okay like calm down like let's what let's let's one step at a time here. And then, uh, yeah, he, I got his phone number and he started texting me back and forth and we finally got to work on it together. But well, yes, that, to answer your question, they allow me to create a control. That's awesome. Uh, my last question before we wrap up here, uh, Craig, uh, Greg, um, we have uh, talked about how some people in uh, Hamilton, in your area, would be like asking you, why are you going down to Nashville? You've done it already. Do you listen to them now still? with everything that's gone on in your life with the the amazing career rise that you've had of going from the Cayman Islands or Montreal to the Cayman Islands to releasing your newest album here does it still get to you when people say oh maybe you should back off a little bit or like you said it's your way you're doing it the way you want to I wish I could say it was the second way but I can't I, I'm always going to care what others think I'm always going to, you know, I come from a small town. I, I'm not, you know, I live in Hamilton uh, like now because I'm just living here, but I came from a small town of Waterdown where, you know, a lot of my friends, you know, have stable jobs. And to be honest, I'm not, I'm not really friends with any of my high school friends anymore because they never agreed with my life. They never agree with my choices. And, you know, being back close to them is very hard sometimes because I know that it's just, it's not the same. We're not going to go back to who we used to be, you know, drinking in high school and going to high school parties and whatever it was. 
Um, but yeah, like I definitely still feel that I've failed so many times and I put myself through so much risk that I don't, I don't believe that, you know, I think about Nashville all the time, but I think I am purely done with living there right now until something happens and I have my ducks lined up in a row and, and it makes sense to move back down there. But with everything going on with COVID and stuff, like I'm in no rush to get back down there. Um, so yeah, I, um, I'm excited for what's kind of happening in Canada right now. You know, I definitely feel like I might have to definitely go back down in a couple years, but again, I don't know when that's going to happen, but I've honestly put so much time and energy into this now. Like I didn't come this far to come this far. And I think that's what I always think about. Like, you know, I think my parents have gave up on and my friends and family have gave up on trying to pull me back down because I'm so far gone now that like, I, <laughs> there's just no way of grounding me now. Um, well, yeah, that's awesome. Um, uh, Greg, I want to thank you very much for doing this. I will say that I look forward to uh, accident and then Royal as well. But I also look forward to the day that you guys you come out to Calgary and perform a few shows and maybe at the Calgary Stampede, the greatest outdoor show on earth for any cowboy enthusiast or cow country music fan. So uh, I, I, I honestly, you have a fan in me with the, uh, the one song, and I can't look. I am looking forward to the two songs this, later this year. So greatly appreciate it for taking your time and doing this today. Awesome. Well, I appreciate the time, Chris. And yeah, I definitely would love to come to Calgary. Like I have family in Calgary and uh, yes, I would love to come back and play Calgary. And absolutely. It's going to be a different show. I promise you that it's not just going to be up on stage. I'm going to be doing anything and everything to entertain that, uh, that cowboy crowd. Yeah. Once we get this whole COVID behind us, I know. <laughs> anyway, yeah. thanks very much, Greg. Greatly appreciate it. Have yourself an excellent day. Okay. You too. Cheers, Chris. Thank you once again for listening to the Cross Border Interview Podcast. If you love this episode of the Cross Border Interview Podcast, head over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and subscribe, rate us, and leave us a review. All the links to our social media accounts are in the show notes or visit www.crossborderinterviews.ca. The Cross Border Interview Podcast was produced and edited by Miranda Brown and Associates Incorporated. Be sure to tune in for our next episode of the Cross Border Interview Podcast. Once again, thank you. Bye-bye.